This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. You're the best. You're welcome the best. To the, hey, welcome to the Full Blast Podcast. Happy New Year, everybody. I'm here with my ray of sunshine, a little bit of positivity in this in this new year. Jesse Weta. Hi, Jessup. What's going on? Uh, you know, we- not much. <laughs> I you not much is not not fair. You're the you are such you since you've been on our podcast, the last podcast, which we had a great time. And it's the number I think you're you think you're neck and neck with Ben Snoor in terms of the ratings for number two. Number one is the first episode, which is getting oh, like tons of downloads. But you and Ben, you and Ben are like been neck and neck in regards to uh, number two. How have you been? I've been OK. It's, yeah? it's weird. Like, um. You know, I I generally when people are like, "Oh, what's going on? How are you doing?" I usually just am like, "Oh, you know, living the dream, blah blah blah." <laughs> um, but it's been super interesting in the last uh, you know, 49 months of lockdown or whatever it is, because people are like, "Oh, so what's new?" I'm like, "Do do we have new things? Are things new still?" Like, I I've been here and uh I think that it's it's kind of funny because as strange as my life can be from day to day, it's all normal to me. So like last night I put up an Instagram story and I was like, you know, that, that feeling when you want to do your laundry, but your brother is baking a guitar in his garage stove. Like for me, that's totally normal. And everyone else is like, said no one ever like, Oh, come on. Ben literally last night, he's like, pokes his head in my room and he goes, Hey, um, I got to do a podcast right now, but, um, can you just check like every 10 minutes and make sure my, my guitar isn't on fire? I'm like, yeah, sure, buddy. We got you. Like, don't worry about it. That's a normal thing in my house. Well, this, is, sure maker, this, is, maker, this is maker ranch. <laughs> yeah. You've now named it's not make. It hasn't always been maker ranch. Has it? It has. Um, that was what Mike and Ben came up with when we first moved in. And I was like, well, that's a stupid name, <laughs> but they like it. So and it it gives a name to the place. So I guess it stuck. And then, you know, Ben b- bought um, some more property out here and is going to build a house. And uh, he's like, yeah, it's going to be Maker Ranch 2.0. It's like, great. Joshua is a Joshua Joshua Tree is a weird place. It has a definitely has like a Burning Man quality to it. Oh yeah, it's and it's weird too because it is populated by um, hippies who are escaping everywhere else, and those are original hippies and um, new era hippies. Hmm. And uh, but the other half of the population is uh, military families because there's a huge base out here. Really? Yeah. Twenty nine Palms has a huge military base. And it's it's really funny because in the in the town of Twenty Nine Palms, there's so many there are so many uh, haircut places where it's like we give military haircuts. It's like, is that is that (laughs) But it's like all of them. It's, you know, because I know that, I mean, it's last week we've spoke, you're still working on uh, the poop house. Yeah. I got caught up. I got caught up on, you haven't been doing a lot of videos, but I, you, since you've, since you've last been here, you, your whole story was picked up by uh, an online magazine, wasn't it? Yeah. So like, um, 
Lad Bible and um, BuzzFeed News both That's did right. little 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 vignettes on me, which is interesting because um, like not a lot of there's not a lot of crossover where it's like those videos can do well, but yet it's like the difference between Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Like they're completely different worlds, and people follow people for different reasons. Right. Um, so people were like, oh, did you just like totally blow up because of that? I was like, no, they came to me because it was already blowing up on YouTube where it's like, what is this person doing? Um, so it was, it was fun, you know, and interesting and it's like, it feels good. But, uh, I was laughing with Ben because we actually, um, my, my photo of me was in the New York times because of a hot tub that Ben made. And so they did this whole article on like people making their own style of hot tub and I found out about it because Ben never tells me anything. Um, I found out about it because my violin teacher from when I was 14 sent me a photograph on a Sunday and he goes, I opened the newspaper today and there's a photo of you in it. And I was like, it's so funny because this is the weird world that we live in where I, I practically live on the internet, which as we know, has the potential to touch anyone who has a Wi-Fi connection. Like, not that it does, but that's the potential. But for me, because I'm the last person in, in this generation, I was like, I'm in a newspaper. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And it made, it made more sense to me because when my brother, so my brother did a, a TEDx talk in Boston uh, about like five or so years ago. And, and and it's a great talk. It's all about like who he is, why he does what he does. Like I think it's called like why I give away my design ideas for free. And it's based around the fact that we were homeschooled and my mom was just like, here's some things to play with, figure it out for yourself. And so a lot of it is based on just saying like, my mom is great. And right. like at the very end of the the entire talk, he's like, so I guess I have to thank my mom. And he goes, thank you, mom. And we were we were laughing because we're like, oh, we're we're gonna show this to her and she's gonna flip out and like we're gonna make mom cry and it's hilarious. And she watched it and she was like, oh, that's so cool! Like how how fun! Like you got to do this talk and that's so sweet. And I'm like, you know, when Ben wrote a book and dedicated it to you and dad, like you burst into tears. And she goes, oh well, that was a book. A lot yeah. of people read books. Like, <laughs> this is on the internet, mom. Like also a lot of people don't read books. <laughs> yeah. I have a quick question, which this could turn into such a great situation. Do you remember the name of the writer? All right, here's a question. In the in that New York Times article, was it yeah. also about saunas? Yeah. Was it written by Lexi Zissou? Maybe. I have no idea. I have to look because that's my high school uh, friend. Who, no way. Uh, summer camp friend. I'm going to look it up right now. Okay. Um, uh, I mean, let me, let me, let me, you start talk, talk, talk to me more about what's going on. I'm going to find this article because this would be unbelievable. My, my high school summer camp closest friend just wrote an article about saunas, building your own saunas. Mm -hmm. She's in the, in, and it was in the New York Times on like a so Saturday. So if it was her, that'd, that'd be crazy, weird. right? It's so That's weird. Know. Like how, so, how, how small is this world? Seriously? Like it's, it's so weird to me. And especially like the more you, you um, put things out on the internet through social media, it's like, it's just crazy. Like I had, I had three people 
in the last, I don't know, two weeks reach out because they're people that I worked with 20 years ago or people right. who went to high school with Ben and they're like, oh my God, like who, wait, I know you, like what is going on here? And like, even my violin teacher was like, you know, as a teacher, you always hope that someday you'll see your student's name in print. He's like, but this is not what I was expecting. Like I opened up my Sunday newspaper to a photo of you in a hot tub that was built by your brother. Random. Well, it, this would have been great if I could open it up, but apparently I need a fucking subscription to the New York Times to open up the goddamn article. It is, it is, it is, it, the article is called Saunas Are Hot. Is that the name? Is that, was that the name of the article? I don't think so. I don't think Too bad. Too bad. Could have been great. It was, I guess there's this big, there's this big thing about building your own saunas in, um, upper state upstate new york and all these people are building all the sauna so it would have been really great for me and you and the podcast if we made this weird connection but clearly i guess we'll have to make our own greatness i'll tell you such I'll a shame fucking crazy. all right next question i have for you okay hit me now this this guy andrew schultz is fantastic <laughs> i've heard of him yes he's fantastic and i first heard of him because he was on a uh, joe rogan i don't listen to joe rogan anymore but I under I, rem, I remember that he was on there and he said something funny. And then I looked at his Instagram and he was doing these incredible um rants. monologues. I mean, you say rants. They're I'm cool. saying monologues. No, they're great. Well, it's fascinating because it was very clear as a comedian, you know, these comedians that there's nowhere to go. I mean, there's no you can't go into clubs anymore. I know this guy, Sam Morell, is trying to do these shows in New York on rooftops and stuff, but there had to be a way for people to figure out how do you be, I mean, comedians should be funny, and how can they be funny? And because of COVID, he created this concept, he really reinvented the concept of the monologue, which P.S., as far as I was concerned, growing up, I used to watch Johnny Carson and Jay Leno and and, and David Letterman and, and Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Kimmel. The monologue is the most boring part of the whole show, generally Agreed. speaking. Agreed. He's taken something and he's created this hilarious uh, monologue, but there's this quality to it that's very, very hip hop. I mean, it's very, very, there's very, the lyrics, are, there's, it's almost lyrical. He's got a very jumpy thing, blah, blah, blah. And I found out through, I guess I found out through Chris Zepp. Chris Zepp was built his his stage in his shop in, in Brooklyn. But then your brother built the backdrop for his stage. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's one of those things where people are like, how does Ben know this person? I'm like, how does Ben know anyone? Like he right. built his, his concrete bucket stool with a literal supermodel at her house. This was a few years ago, but like a supermodel, right. um, like, who knows? Ben is just that person where it's like he he has the ability to know absolutely anyone he wants. And he's interesting enough to where people want to know him. Um, so, yeah. So he went out to New York. He and Mike actually both went out. Mike built the desks for the podcast that Schultz does. Um, and I remember when he came back, he was like, yeah, this guy's like he's pretty great. He's like, you would like him. And. First of all, I hate it when people are like, you would like this person. And I'm like, mm, yeah, you don't know me that well because I hate everyone. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I don't know, because literally I don't like stand-up comedians. Right. I don't like people who try to be funny. I like people who are clever. And he goes, no, 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 this guy, you will like this guy. And I was like, I'll, I'll reserve the right to um, you know, tell you how I feel about that. 
are you the type of person that you don't like to go to comedy shows because you feel compelled to laugh and you don't laugh? Um, I don't feel compelled to. I just feel bored. Right. And, and then the thing that I that I feel is like I want to leave, but I am not a person who will do thing something that is overtly rude. It's like yeah. I know that if I leave, it will be rude. Huh. And so now I'm just sitting here and I hate everyone in the room. <laughs> so yeah, I, I generally, I, when I watch comedy shows with a, with a few exceptions, I find myself being like, all right, well, the assumption is I have to laugh. Yeah. And, and it's like, it's sometimes it's like, I can name my favorite comedians on one hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ricky Gervais makes me laugh. Dave Chappelle, um, old Eddie Murphy. Um, and that's it. I mean, real honestly, yeah. it's just like, it, 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 you know what? I like Kate. I like um, Sarah Silverman too. I like her a lot. But other than that, I get I get to the point where I saw I saw Louis C.K. back in the day before he be, became a creep. I, well, I mean, he might have been a creep. He might have been a creep. He might have been a creep. I saw him when he when he was possibly being a creep. I wouldn't have known, and he was funny. But like Schultz's show on when he was doing it on Instagram was great. I mean, it was funny. It was clever. But there was definitely a broadcasting quality because his voice was going up and down. His his words were very lyrical. There was a lot of rhymes. It had this. He it, he puts he re as far as I was concerned, he really reinvented the concept of the the monologue. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, I think actually one of the the key points of this is that it was for Instagram, so it's short form by design. And right. one of my biggest problems with stand up is like I have to listen to an hour to two hours, however right. long it is, where it's just like, let me just really punch this home to you. Like balls are funny. No, no, no. Balls are funny. Let me talk about my balls because my balls are funny. I'm like, we get it. Your balls are hilarious. <laughs> like, like I, I don't, I don't know about the rest of you guys, but I got it in the first second. And now I have to listen to 30 minutes of yeah. just this one thing. And so my problem is like, it wasn't funny when you said it at the beginning. And now I like I understand why people used to take tomatoes and heads of lettuce <laughs> to the theater because like shut up. Um, so I think that the short form was amazing because you can pack in so many things. And he yeah. did. There are just layers and layers of jokes. And um, so like he had that going for him. But also like this is something that we were just discussing, and that is he took the barrier out of the comedy. So like everyone else, they do their monologue, but then what do they do? They go and they sit down behind a desk and they put a physical barrier between you where you're sitting there in your underpants eating chips, watching this thing on the screen and they're wearing a suit and sitting behind a desk and looking, you know, like I'm, I'm at business. Um, But he took that away. He sat in the lowest chair that man has ever made with his, praying mantis body and his knees yeah. up by his ears and you're like literally staring at his crotch the entire time and the way he delivers is it's so pointed and it's he enjoys it so much but without being like uh, let me tell you how genius i am i figured yeah. this out he was like no 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 just look at how stupid everyone in the world is like and that's what i i appreciate about his comedy is um, because I, I get annoyed, even if I agree with a comedian, if they just point at one thing over and over again, just like this person's stupid, so stupid, so dumb. Well, Schultz is like, Hey, guess what? We're all idiots. It's, it's, he does a very good job of that, but he also, besides the barrier thing, he's taking away 
the audience because all those things there's he's taking away the audience and he's talking you're right you okay don't you don't have to don't know if you're gonna cough go cough don't put the fucking oh mic you can't, you can't you can't put the cough button on halfway through the cough because then people think you're done or dead that was it i'm gone that's what I, I had you Alex Steele on. Coffee, you don't inhale it. Um, <laughs> I had Alex Steele on, and he kept hitting the cough button, and I was—I didn't know he was there. So I had to say, I was like, "Are you there?" And then all of a sudden, you, you, you hear you hear him back on, and I'm like, "Yeah, don't do that anymore." I'm dying. But but the but the, the fact that he takes away the audience and he's speaking to you too, I just I think that there's I mean it's just everything he does is great. So then he gets the Netflix thing. I know Chris Zepp was doing some Instagram stories when he was over at the the guys. The guy obviously he's got his own uh, office in Brooklyn, and it just kind of started to dawn on me when it turns out that he's doing this thing on Netflix that it was just such a great idea. Now here's 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 the whole thing. So now next thing you know, uh, number one comedy on Netflix. As Andrew Schultz's show, which I thought was fantastic. I watched all four of them. I thought I would save them all. I fucking knocked them all out. 15 minutes. Of pop is easy. Oh, they're great. They're great. I mean, everything about them is great. They're funny. The the shoot the lighting was really good. The 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 um the images were really it was, the whole thing was a lot of fun. And then next thing you know, next thing you know, he's he's on a private plane to Hawaii is futzing around in Hawaii and obviously he's you know he's the baller now he's number one comedy on Netflix and next thing you know he's in Joshua Tree with you guys yeah and then and then um how was that did what? you did you pay attention to the credits I that he was were you in it did he, no, he, no, he said. You said your brother was the executive He's coordinator, a, yeah, or something like that, right? Producer, or yeah, something. I saw. I said say that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's something that like when they were doing the Instagram ramps, um, like Ben is a very clever person, and he's also someone who like somehow knows everything. Like anything you mentioned to him, he's like, yeah, yeah. I read like twenty five articles on it. Like, hmm. How do you have the time? I don't understand. Um, but uh so yeah they'd been talking back and forth and uh and sharing ideas and um you know comical ideas even and so on his big round the world whatever trip um he came out to Joshua Tree for a couple of days and hung out and that was super fun and Ben was correct he is an incredibly enjoyable person um and i think that like the thing that i noticed the most was um, one thing I ha- one problem I have with people who think they're funny is that they demand a lot of attention. Yeah. Where it's like, hey, look at me, I'm being funny and clever. I'm like, no, I'm I'm good. I'll just I'll go over here. Um, but he <laughs> asks a lot of questions. He'll be like, hey, this thing. What do you think about this? Why Why did they do it this way? Like, what are your thoughts on this? He asks a lot of questions and is very engaging because he wants to know, like. He doesn't want to just go up there and say some stupid, silly joke and not have anything to back it up. So uh, that was that was really interesting to see firsthand and just enjoyable in a meeting of any new person is a person who asks questions and doesn't just want to show you how great they are. You know, like he wasn't a show off. But that's the key to being a good uh, comedian. You have to be observational. Mm -hmm. And I think listening is such an important part of that. Right. Right. You know? I, I totally agree. And it just reminds me that every other quote unquote comedian that I've ever met is just a, 
a person who needs a lot of attention because they're not interesting. But that's 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 what narcissism is. Oh yeah. I think that there's this misconception that narcissism and egotism is the same thing. It's not. Narcissism is you you at, at a young age usually you didn't get the love and attention that you wanted, and now as an older person you're trying to get that back. And it's like it's it's different than being egotistical. It's it's like a, it's only it's, it, narcissism tr- truly is a, is a is a mental illness where you need to be the center of attention, you need the accolades, and if you're not getting enough, you feel like you just des- you deserve them, and you don't understand why you're not getting them. Right. I, well, I mean, narcissism has a lot of links to psychopathy and sociopathy. Like, not they're not um, always together, but you can right. you can see a lot of the the same traits and. Um, it's when narcissism leans to psychopathy that you have a problem. It's, but I mean, that's, it's a very short, that's a very short window to go from narcissism to psychopathy because I mean, I grew up with like narcissism. My family was, was huge. Mm -hmm. Like there's, there was an enormous amount to the point where I found out later in life that usually children of narcissists either become narcissists themselves or they try to fight it as hard as they can because it's such a, and I've been on the, I've been, my sisters and I've all been trying to, to fight it as hard as we possible and being very aware of it because it is, it's, it's, I mean, it's psycho, it's so, it's sociopath. It's the beginnings of a sociopath. So. Right. And so then the big, the big difference there would be um, like, you know, a true sociopath doesn't understand the feelings, but there's also a way to be a narcissist, but be able to empathize with other people. And I, I think that um, the problem happens when, um, so when you're narcissist or selfish, we'll just use more common okay. term, to other people's detriment, that's when it becomes a problem. Where if you're narcissistic for your own betterment, which is, hey, what I am. Right. I'm like, I'm super selfish. I, I take no responsibility for anything, basically. I'm like, I, I try to live my life without any responsibility. But it's all literally because I know that what I need is to focus on myself first. And so, like, I don't I don't have a partner. I don't have kids. I don't even have a pet. Like, I have zero responsibilities to anyone or anything except for myself. And that's by design because I know that I need to focus on myself as a person because that by default makes me better to everyone else around me but that's not narcissism because you're not saying what i always think that the ultimate narcissistic expression is what about me yeah but i think that there is also a way to be what about me because i'm totally what about me i'm the youngest of four kids yeah Um, yeah. i am like completely what about me um but there's a way to do it where it's like, yeah, hey, what about me? Like, if it if it's what about me, then what am I doing to fix it? Right. Well, but I mean, we can go down this. <laughs> I, we can go down this all the all as long as you want. But it, but it just seems to me like what about me is usually it's it's what about the expression? What about me is I see what you're doing. I'm entitled to that too. What mm-hmm. about what are you gonna do for me? And that's usually what, that's what, because I, I heard growing up, I used to say, what about me all the time? And it was just like, was not please can I have, or please can I do? But it's like, yeah, I see what you have there. I want it. You, what about me? I deserve this too. Yeah. But I think it's about like fostering those different sides of yourself. Like, um, 
I don't, I don't believe anyone ever truly changes. You just become more yourself, but you can focus on certain aspects of yourself and grow those rather than the ones where you're just like a terrible person all the time. I agree with everyone and yourself. Agree with you. But like you can't, you can't change who you are at the core and you'll always end up doing exactly what you want. Like, even if you fight yourself about it, like you, you always end up doing some variation of what you wanted to do, even if it's like you're in a situation that you don't like. So you're just like really crabby all the time. You're fighting against it. And so you're just like being crabby because that's who you want to be in the moment. Well, I mean, it's, with this podcast, especially when I talk to other makers, I, I always believe that something in their childhood kind of put that seed into the person that they are and the creator that they are. And it was incredibly important for them to have these experiences in order to be the person that they are. Mm-hmm. The comedians and actors, and I know a couple actors, um, and I've spent some time with some actors, and they're unbearable. They're unbearable, and it's almost it's it's to the point of. And I was going to be an actor when I was a kid, and then um, I ended up. Be, it was just too much work. I mean, it was just like I just wanted. To, I just wanted to be around young girls as a as a young kid, as a young boy going to boys' school. I wanted to be, you know, I was. Oh, that's right. You went to boys' school. I went to boys' school, so I wanted to. I wanted the opportunity to be with girls my age, and that was the only way to do it. But then it was just like as I got older, I was just like I'm. I'm. I'm a terrible actor, and I just you know my 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 uh, my reasoning was awful so in regards to like being around these miserable people the funny thing is is when i saw the instagram post you guys had with andrew uh andrew is i love the fact that you guys got him forging you and brett got him forging and it was and he said something that i wanted to fucking kick myself that he made a joke that I thought, how could I possibly not have come up? How could I possibly never heard this joke before? He was saying, I'm being a blacksmith or I'm my bad. I'm a person of color, Smith. The fucking thing was so goddamn funny. I was just like, God damn it. I have never heard anyone say that before. He's a goddamn genius. Mm-hmm. How funny was that? Yep. Yep. Person of color, Smith. Yeah. And I've been looking for jokes. I couldn't, I couldn't come up with that if my life depended on it. He I was, was like, so funny watching him because like he is a smart guy he is super successful he's like so ben took him out uh rock scrambling before and he and ben and i had a giggle about how we bring people out here and take them like rock scrambling and they're just like they don't know what to do like a lot of people are not used to having to use all four appendages to like get somewhere where i mean like we don't rock climb we're not like carabiners and belaying and all that we just like we just our toes and fingers just clamp to rocks, just you know, lizarding all over the place, and uh, and it's funny to us because you know a lot of people didn't grow up doing that, yeah. and so to go from that to coming to the forge, where uh, you know it, it, it's it's interesting to me that um, we try we try and like when you teach you try and like use something where it's like okay what are you familiar with and it's like okay so. So you swing it like, you know, like just grab it like you would a claw hammer. But then you always have to remember, like, not a lot of people have ever hammered a nail before. Right. Um, so to watch him just zero experience, just go in there. And of course, we all looked like that when we first started. We're like standing super far back and our arms are just flailing all over the place, like just completely looking like a dingus. But <laughs> it is especially funny to see someone who is all arms and legs just trying to hit like the tiniest piece of metal. It was 
I, I, I had never seen anyone, and I've seen a lot of people swing hammers. I'd never seen anyone swing a sledge like that. He was all knees. He was, he was holding his breath the entire time. <laughs> I was, listen, God bless him. God bless him for doing it. I'm going to give one minor critique to you and, and Brett because now you've, you're homeschooling the world because that's what you're doing now when you're grabbing these famous guys and making them rock scramble with their fingers and their toes. You, you are homeschooling the world. That's that's P.S. That's going to be the name of this fucking episode. You look so delighted. <laughs> I Jessup, I Jessup, homeschooling the world. The, you've got to figure out a way to choreograph these guys looking halfway normal or good, because he looked. I mean, no disrespect. I, God bless you for getting out there. That knee thing was. I was having a hard time with the fucking bouncing. I was having oh a hard my gosh, time. With the it. bouncing, it was amazing. Like, cause yeah. he, he all of a sudden realized this this hammer is heavy, and I like my arms are they're not working, so I'll just hold it. Like his entire body <laughs> just went rigid. And he, he was using his knees more than most, and I, I was know, giving him a lot like of credit for that. Full body workout. He was doing squats. Yeah. While striking, I mean that's yeah, impressive. That um, it was super impressive. It was super impressive. But I, now I see, I know what's going to happen. You're going to have Robert Downey Jr. out there. I'm telling you, you guys are going to be homeschooling the world in Joshua Tree. People are going to be coming far and wide to get the the Ueda experience. And I think that you're going to need to figure out some sort of choreography. So when the pictures come out, they're like, they look like they know what they're doing. Well, because I've never seen bouncing fair, like that. To be fair, because he is a comedian. We all agreed that it would be funny the dumber he looks. Okay, so like, well, there's a, like that's, if someone that, that's, came to take a class and they looked like a dingus, I'm not gonna just like take stories. Me like, look at this asshole. I mean, it was like, I mean, there's Brett laughing. I mean, he's teaching <laughs> teaching this poor guy, this famous guy, number one Netflix comedy in on Netflix, and Brett's standing there smiling and laughing as this poor guy is trying to make it happen on his own. That was so funny. Like Brett was like. Like, I could have never thought six months ago that, like, Andrew Schultz would be in my forge and I'd be teaching him how to blacksmith. And I was like, be honest, like, six months ago, who the fuck was Andrew Schultz? <laughs> like, you know, like, he Damn. blew up. Downtown. Downtown. That was a good then one. It was, it was hilarious. <laughs> he's done that was a fucking such a good great one. job. And, uh, you know, more power to him for doing something different and being clever rather than just, like, derisive. I, I have to say, I do believe that there is a connection between what he's doing and the maker community post COVID. Mm -hmm. And I think that he is someone to be, to look at as I think the most innovative people, right? When we talk about innovation. There's a, there's a, there's this misconception that I'm, that you're, 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 you're changing the wheel and you're not reinventing the wheel. In, in regards to what we're doing as makers, either knife makers or whatever, whatever the hell you make it, it's the reinvention, not the reinvention, but the innovation is basically in how you deliver it. Yes. And I think that when you look at what, what Andrew did, which is basically like, I don't need to go rent a space. I don't need to get a sound guy. I'm going to build my own space in my house. We're going to do our own podcast in the house. We're going to do everything in house. And then as we build it, people are going to want to, you know, do whatever you want to do with it. Now, in and and what it brings me to is uh, last episode. I was talking to my buddy uh, Nico Tavernisi, who is he's by far. 
I mean, I've known him for a long time. And since I've known him, he's gone to be, he's one of the most sought after. And he talks about, you know, dicks and balls like, like I do all the time, but he's like considered one of the most successful set photographers in the country. I mean, he goes everywhere and he is crazy. When he was telling me in the last episode about what he's on a movie, a Netflix movie with uh, Meryl Streep and, Leonardo DiCaprio and he's you know he's at the point where these companies are hiring him because he does a great Spider-Man and John Wick and and the, the Irishman and all the Steven Spielberg movies the amount of work and the money it takes to COVID test these guys every single day and the masks and the protocols and the hand sanitizer and everything involved in order to get these movies done it's an enormous, an enormous investment on top of the already big investment of making the movie. And then when you're selling it to Netflix, you're not making the potential that you could in the theaters, but no one's going to the theaters. So I'm now convinced that, um, you know, obviously these these streaming services have to have uh, these top-notch, you know, movies too. You got to have these big-time movies, but at the same time, you got to have the small guys. And I'm now convinced you know, guys like Andrew Schultz or like your brother or uh, you or Brett and the people who are content makers, Alex Steele. I'm convinced now that there's going to be more and more of these streaming services approaching. And I know it's already happened approaching these people who are being able to create content in house for their streaming services. And this is, this is the nosy part I'm going to get. I'm going to get nosy with you and you don't have to answer. You don't have to get, you don't have to say yes. You don't have to say no. You can be silent. I'll change the subject. I'll, I trust love me, how you I know. say that as if I'm literally going to do anything other than what I want to do. I'm wanting you to do whatever <laughs> the hell you want. Yeah, I'm telling you whatever you want. I know in my heart that you don't become the number one comedian on Netflix. Take a private jet to Hawaii and then hang out in Joshua Tree just because you guys are friends. I'm convinced. There's business dealings going on. And then one of the reasons why I say this is I ended up every time I have someone on, I always really watch as much as possible. And I watched a lot of your brother's videos and your videos. I caught up on your videos and I watched your brother's videos. He's doing exactly what Andrew Schultz is doing in terms of he's creating the content out in the middle of nowhere. He's got the beautiful, the beautiful pictures, the images, he's got the color, everything about his videos and your videos are fascinating. Your videos are the, the, I wanted to get into the poop house in a minute, but I'm now convinced the business dealings were going on. There's just no way he going to, he going to, he going to Joshua tree from Hawaii. So you don't have to say anything, but I'm convinced <clears throat> there's some sort of something going on because I'm also convinced I haven't gotten, I haven't gotten, this is all speculation, conspiracy stuff. So you think I'm crazy, but it's fine. I think Alex doing the same thing. I think Alex Steele, I think someone's approached him too. I think that there's, I think that YouTubers who are doing a great job are being approached by these streaming services. So um, I, I will start out by saying that since I've started working for Ben, like I can't even remember how many interviews and pilots and sizzle reels that we've recorded. Like, because uh, it's for one thing, like, um, you know, there's that whole HGTV model that, right. um, you know, like if you like it, then you're a binge watcher and they're happy with that. Um, and then there's like, there's the different aspects of that where people who work in teams tend to do better. Um, 
Ben and I are a brother and sister team and people love that. Um, so we have been approached by absolutely everyone right. from everywhere. The problem is no one is like really thinking about doing anything different. Right. Like they want to do the same thing that everyone has already done. Like where it's, um, they don't show anything happening on screen. It's always just about the big reveal. There's tons of forced drama where it's just like, let's create a storyline out of this. And like, there is no storyline. The storyline is just like the banter back and forth and like two people interacting. And I can't tell you how many times, like I've sat down to do interviews with Ben and like, I mean, literally I've known him my entire life. We have a way of speaking together. We make fun of each other. We'd like give each other the weird look and just say whatever, whatever we would normally say to each other. And having we like the the directors are always trying to script us like, okay, now say this. I'm like, I would never say that. Like, no, but say it. It'll be funny. I was like, I'm not. I'm not playing a part. Like, I'm on here being like, hi, my name is Jesse Weta. Like, this is my life. I'm I'm not going to say what you think would be funny because first of all, it's not. Second of all, I would never say that. Right. So like, there's this whole whole big problem with um, trying to recycle whatever was the biggest hit on on like HGTV. And I use that as an example because that's the that's the most well-known thing. So um, you know, Ben and I always talk about like what if things were done differently? Like what if there was more control by the creatives because hey, this is what we do. Obviously like we're not like the pristine quality that something that is highly produced will be. But like we've made it this far doing it this way. And people will follow you on social media because they like what you're doing or because they like your personality or a combination of both. Um, And so like, what if we could do more of that instead of just trying to do the same thing over and over again, which worked to an extent on TV, but TV doesn't exist anymore. Like what Mm. happens after that? So that's something that's always been like in the background. And like, I mean, I, I, I signed a contract to be in a show that was supposed to happen this past year that didn't happen, but supposedly is still happening. So like, we'll see where that goes. Cause that's, that's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens with, with those steps. And I can't really talk about it anyways, but here's what I'm, what I'm, what I'm getting at is because I had, I wrote a pilot for a show. I wrote a show that I had a guy, I have a guy, but after, you know, and then we we're going to do a sizzle reel right before COVID. And it's just very clear. And then it was actually, I mean, it it was passed to the Food Network. And I went to, we went to one meeting, but then apparently they feel, it felt like it was too masculine for, the, for their viewers, which is fine. I, I what get does no problem too masculine mean? They got, I guess the Food Network doesn't like it too masculine. What do you want me to say? I mean, that's what I was told. You were two dudes? Is well, it wasn't going to be, it, it was, it was going to be more along the lines of, a, it was a little bit, it wasn't forged in fire, but I, it was, I was going to team up with a chef and we were going to make a specific knife for a specific dish. So it'd be half the show would be making the knife and then half the show would be making the dish. Mm-hmm. And that was really the idea. And the funny thing is, is when I came up with it, it was a great idea. And the original idea was building flavor. You like that name? They took that fucking thing right away. They took that fucking mm-hmm. shitty name right out of there. And they just, I mean, it changed the whole guy. My business partner was just like, they're going to change everything. What I'm getting at is, is if we had done it ourselves. And at the time, Tony says, you know, we don't even need these guys to do it. We could do it ourselves. And then they're, they will, we'll have the creative 
power. And that's what I'm saying in regards to with Andrew, where he basically said, this is it. This is what we're doing. This isn't, I'm not looking for a, uh, an, an opinion from a producer. I'm making the content that people want to watch and you are just going to buy it. And that's what I'm getting at. That's what I think is the next thing. That's the next thing I think was going to happen with, with you and your brother or whatever, whatever, both of you. I mean, let's face it. I mean, you're both attractive people too. You're, you know, it's like everything you got the whole nine yards and you're fascinating and you're making people crawl around on rocks and stuff. And you got a blacksmith shop and you got Brett, you know, back there with a pirate. I mean, the whole thing's great. He's our token white guy. <laughs> it's perfect. It's so perfect. But I but I'm convinced now, and it because of COVID, and because you can't see you know, people, I don't want people in my shop. I don't want a cameraman in my shop. I don't want to have to get tested every five minutes. That they're going to just say, Licks, listen, we got to put in something because we have we've we've lost nine months of TV shows. You know, we lost nine months and then we need some shit. So let's go handle, let's go talk to the YouTubers and say, make us some content. Here's some money. Right. So the, 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 what it comes down to is the problem is whatever happens in the boardroom. Cause you have the production company who is always telling you, oh, you're so great. We love everything about you. We want you to be just you. But then they go talk to the boardroom and then they come back and be like, okay, no, we love everything about you. But, um, do you have a different shirt? Like, no, I have 15 identical black tank top. <laughs> They're all black. You can choose the one that has no stains on it. I'm fine with that. Okay. Um, could you wear your hair down? No, I cannot mm. wear my hair down. You do understand like power tools, right? It's like, well, um, I've actually, this was a while ago, but I had um <laughs> a production team be like, well, we just want to make sure that people know you're a girl. And I was like, really? Is that, first of all, is that important? Like, is it important to know that I'm a girl? Um, also, like, do I, it's, I mean. It's pretty, I mean, the hair isn't going to be the one that tells you. I friend, mean, like, I, to be fair, when I had a shaved head and I worked at a lumber yard and I looked like just like a tiny, tiny little lumberjack, I got called sir a lot when people <laughs> saw me from the back of the side. And you know what? Not an insult. It's never insulting to be called a different human being. I'm totally fine with that. But when it's like, yeah, we need you to wear your hair down and we need to put makeup on you so that people know you're a girl. It's right. like, okay, you are just saying everything that is wrong. Like, we only know you're a girl if you wear makeup and have long hair. So see, this is the yeah. this is what's gonna change. This is what's gonna change because you know, YouTubers are getting smarter and smarter. Some of them aren't getting smarter and smarter, but well, some, some of them, them don't who, have to, to be fair. Some of them don't have to. But the other thing is is people are getting downloads for videos, and that's the proof in the pudding. It, it, it had nothing to do with whether you had makeup on or your hair was down. I think that it's gonna come to the point where these production companies and these streaming services are gonna be like, let's just stop fucking around and let's just let these people who are getting good views give them a shot because obviously they know something that we don't. Perfect example is Andrew Schultz. Yeah, and, there and, is a and, small amount of that that is going on, but and that's only just started happening in the last five years because it's always like we love everything about you and the way you do things so we're just going to follow you in film and every time you get that whole crew together the director's got to do something so what do they do they start directing you to be some way that you wouldn't be which is more in line with what the executives feel comfortable with because it's what they know because they come from magazines and television and nobody right. wants to change because right. like, nope this is what works and it's like 
nobody like nobody is paying attention to what happens on the other side like and that that even happens within our world like if you go to um like a maker event you meet all the makers that's great everyone knows each other but if you go to something like like workbench con has an equal amount of makers and bloggers and those two worlds are like so far apart where we're doing Mm. essentially the same thing just in different formats but they could not be more far apart. Nobody knows each other. Like, it's so strange to me. Like, I was sitting next to a blogger who I think is super great. I really like her a lot. This was like, this was at the fir- first workbench con. And we're sitting at a table with like 25 people. And she comes and sits down next to me because she knows me. And um, Jimmy is there and he's passing his little GoPro cube around and everyone's saying hi. And she's like, who's that guy? And I was like, I love mm. this. I love it so much. Like, he's the most prominent face in our maker circle right but here's someone from the other side from the blogging side who's just like never heard of him doesn't know who he is and i think that's fantastic when those those two worlds just like reach out their little et fingers and touch i i think that what's most likely going to happen and it's interesting when you keep saying you know the the director says something in these production companies the production companies are capturing the content they're not making the content and oh, I beg to differ. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I, I'm just talking about in regards to the ideas because the production companies are finding these stories and then they're helping to curate the content. But if if you're a successful YouTuber and you're doing all your, your own, you're taking away a job of these production companies and you're your own production company. I would imagine that they have to justify what they're doing in order for there to be, you know, they got to justify their job and their cut. Yeah, they do. And um, it's, there are two ways that they, that um, they approach it. And the first one is we have an idea and we want you to be in that idea, which, okay. Like there has to be some concession made where it's like, you came to me with this idea and you want me to be the figurehead. All right. The second one is we love everything about you and we want you to do just that. But while you're doing it, we're going to tell you to change absolutely everything about yourself. Right. And I'm like, that's, that's not okay. Like I want no part of that. Well, I mean, you know, nowadays, I mean, I know at least four other prominent YouTubers and makers who, who have started filming or try before covid we're gonna do some sort of show like it's it's i get a lot of don't tell anyone but you know and 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 it's and it's i think that i think that i think that this is a a great opportunity for a lot of people and i think this is also a very scary part for people who have companies and then what i'm saying is everything every position every job right now that's doing decent maybe decent or whatever is all in-house stuff like since covid i mean knock on wood everything at fader knives has been good and been good no problem and and i and i've been talking to a lot of other knife makers and a lot of artisans and stuff like that people are buying stuff from people i'm not talking about like ten thousand dollars you know knives and stuff i'm talking about like you know whatever and it seems as though when I talk to other people in business, the ones that are just kind of able to kind of get through all this and go forward are the ones who are saying, you know what, I can do all this stuff in house. Mm-hmm. And I and I feel like content's the same thing. And I, I I I I really 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 enjoyed your brother's video about the 
the compartment car, compartment houses the um the container it was the, the, the three the container houses it was very very educational he explained everything about it was very very he explained why he did what he did he gave reference points it was interesting the lighting was good i mean look he's, your brother's a good looking dude he, you know he had his socks off and he's sitting sitting in bed sipping on espresso and making a joke saying i better not spill this this is a this is an airbnb place i better not spill this espresso on the sheets i just i was very it just seems as though you know, you guys already have. I felt you know, that. You did? Did you? Yeah. I'm a great, See, I'm telling you, it's all in house. You really, I, you know what? God bless you because I was just like, I was just like, this is really well filmed. I was like, I figured he had somebody there. It was you. You. In house. Mm-hmm. This is it. This is it. I think Maker Ranch is like, I'm convinced, like I said, I'm going back to what I had to say. Andrew Schultz didn't get off the fucking private jet from Hawaii to hang out and scramble and in in Joshua Tree. So some shit's going on. I'm telling you, I know it. I feel absolutely, it. absolutely. No, like, um, I feel like everyone that Ben is really close with as a friend is someone that he speaks to on like the same plane about business dealings. Right. And like, I do not have a business mind. So I learn everything by eavesdropping on my brother's conversations because I am a younger sister. I'm an excellent eavesdropper. Like you don't even know I'm there. I am just around the corner, like a little gremlin, just like, oh, that's good. I'm going to use that. And then I never do because I, again, have no business sense. Um, but yeah, he has been involved with um, with Andrew since like the start of the rants. It's like I would hear... I would hear them in conversation on the phone. Like I hear, would be hearing Ben's side and then it'd show up in the rant on, you know, Saturday or whatever day that it dropped. And I was oh, like, that's amazing. That's my bro, you know? And then so when uh, Netflix picked it up, Andrew's like, dude, you're getting a credit. That's, that's like, awesome. awesome. Because he's, he has been there like from the start. And, you know, obviously Andrew has an amazing team. Like his team is yeah. so tight. Like they're, they're, they're layers of jokes and the way that they throw them out there are just absolutely beautiful but it it is like that that moment of pride where i'm like aha i heard that before it was a joke that's awesome <laughs> yeah that is awesome it's pretty great um, yeah there's no fat on his joke i mean there's no fat in the in his his monologues there's zero fat you yeah, can tell there's no time to and like and we we're saying too like it's it's absolutely brilliant the way it's done because there's so much packed in there that people are like sending him messages mean like i'm on my third time watching it and i'm still finding those easter eggs and he's like yeah (laughs) so what was the what was the the background i know that your brother it was like a it was almost like um there was an origami quality to that background Uh, origami but there was also like a little bit of a you know stealth fighter situation with that background and what was the what was the concept behind it so ben has always really been uh, Ben has always been very good at taking super simple, like lined drawings and turning them to something that is like more appealing. Like he loves the idea of like multifaceted geometric shapes. Mm. And um, we even we even each have a copy of the book called I think it's Complete Pleats. And it's just like beautiful photographs of paper folding and not just <laughs> like, oh, this is very complex origami. It's just like just how to fold a piece of paper so that it looks like it has 27 different dimensions. Right. And he's really good at um, making everything so minimal, but yet when you actually look at it, you're like, that's very 
beautiful. And like one of the things that he did when he first started making videos, like he was like, okay, a lot of people, well, at this time, not a lot of people, but people are making videos. They're building things, they're letting you watch, and then they're like showing you what happens at the end. And what he did different was he was like, okay, it's all these like people who have a lot of talent, but they're doing stuff in their garage or their basement. Their lighting is fluorescent. Everything is like wood colored because you're taking a picture of a wood thing on a wood desk and there's stacks of lumber behind it. So like nothing stands out on its own. So what he did was just paint his, um, it was actually the attic space in his uh, architecture firm where he first started building things. And he painted everything white. So all you see is the thing that he's making. So mm-hmm. he he knows how to bring focus, which is something that like, you know, when you look at at um at paintings, like your focus is directed to a certain place, even if you're not aware of it. Well, what he did was took out everything else that you could possibly look at. So you're only looking at the one thing that you're supposed to focus on. And then at the end, you take your glamour shots and it just, you know, stands out against everything else. So that's always been like something that he has liked to do is just um, from the beginning is to to make it stand out. I think that he's also figured out that uh, you can make things stand out by having them be almost nondescript unless you're actually like, wait, let me look at that. And you're like, oh, there's a lot of dimension there. So yeah. something that doesn't detract, but it also makes it better than like if it's just a person sitting in front of a white background, that's not compelling because then yeah. they kind of stand out too much it becomes one of those 3d prints where like i mean you don't want schultz's face just flying at you so uh so what he did is he took a color that is soothing and he did these very simple shapes and that was it and it was it, was it a cardboard so he just like, double-sided tape who knows? Um, I actually don't know what the material is. I guess I should have watched the video that uh, you made when he You don't want to tell you what to do. You don't do do whatever the hell you want. I love the fact that you made that point because you can definitely tell in the in Andrew Schultz's videos that he's highlighted, is very minimal, but there's it's not. It's more than just I'm just in a white room. Like that background has so much complexity and simplicity, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you can tell that, I mean, I, I just, I, I understand what you're saying in regards to what he's always liked. And you can tell that he's created that focal point of, of the, of the video. I think that's amazing. Yeah. And I, I think that it was a, a particularly brilliant idea. I don't know who did it, but whoever did the graphic design for the um, the credit sequence for the Netflix show where they actually used those shapes to like pull apart and come together. Yeah. Like it, was, it was nice integration because you are, you feel very familiar with that whole background set piece. That must have been pretty exciting for you all to be able to watch it for the first time. Yeah, it was it was really cool. Like, um, you know, at the time I had, I had not met him, but. I, I love when Ben gets excited about something because, um, you know, he, he has like the way Ben and I work together is unless we absolutely have to, we don't ever talk. We can be in the same room all day and never speak a word to each other. But yet there's always these moments where like, I'll be like in my room or something and he'll come and like poke his head and be like, 
come look at this. And so it'll come out. And it could be either something he's working on that he's particularly proud of or the fact that there are two bunnies in the yard instead of one. Like you, you never know what it's going to be, but it's always delightful. So whenever he gets excited about something, like he he has he's a person who has the ability to like ramp up your excitement because you, he's like kind of stoic otherwise. <laughs> you, you both seem to have created this utopia in 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 joshua tree because i can see i can see you're always you got like the 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 garys and you got the chipmunks and you got the birds and you got the rabbits now and it's so it's so it's it's the whole thing is fantastic i I enjoy i enjoy i enjoy everything you do and i also appreciate you're very very supportive of of artists artisan and and makers you've been pumping my shirts for you've been pumping my sweatshirts for a while which i certainly appreciate i know i thought um, about wearing it but it's literally in the laundry which i could not do last night <laughs> fine 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 oh p.s p.s i tried to buy a, a sweatshirt from brett i'm not signing on i'm not logging into teespring he got to figure out a better way because I, I was like i tried two things i was like there's just no way i have to create a user thing for yeah. teespring you can you break his chops a little bit i mean i love teespring him he's a, i love brett i love brett but you gotta figure something else out because i wanted to buy i wanted to make your life sweatshirt to walk around peak well, and i no. couldn't because i wasn't gonna do one more login and password so he um his first line of shirts are absolutely beautiful because he used a screen printing company from Kansas that he used to work with and they do an amazing oh, wow. job. And like um they're the ones who printed his posters also, which I have, and it's absolutely gorgeous. And like his graphic design background and his aesthetic like brilliance um really showed through in these products, which were like good quality shirts with excellent quality um printing on them. But uh like when he when he had like his his first couple of videos that started doing well, he got a little excited and a little ahead of himself because everyone's like, "You should make shirts. You'll like sell all of them." So he like put a lot of money into making something really nice, and then of course like selling things is is harder. And like yeah. it, it's it's funny for me because like right now on Instagram, like I have forty thousand followers, which is like mind boggling. But at the same time, like my ability to sell things is not high like um like god bless isotunes for for asking me to work with them where they're like yeah in your trial period you sold 13 pairs and i was like i don't know if that's good or bad is it good or bad i have no idea i have no idea what the metric is product you move product they were like no it was great like that's that's fantastic and i was like okay good but like if you look at it in terms of like like people be like you have forty thousand followers you could sell forty thousand things like that's not how it works like at all like not even a little bit um and so like i i felt so bad because like you know if you if you're on the smaller side and you want to create a really nice product like you have to put your own money into that to do something nice right. and uh, it just like it, it didn't work that well and he wanted to do other things like sweatshirts and stuff um Plus the fact that like sizing is a problem if you're having pre-made shirts, like you only have so many in each size. And like, you know, even I wanted to get a second Make Your Life shirt because I burned a hole in the first one and he didn't have that size anymore. And he would have to print this many more. Exp- like, you know, so there's so many problems with that. And so he's like, well, I'm going to try out Teespring and see how it works. And I have to say that like their quality is better than I thought it would be, which right. is not saying that it's amazing, but like it's 
okay-ish, but their platform is problematic. And I tried to make Gary shirts because I have this really amazing graphic done by my friend Adam C. And it's oh, yeah, sure. the line drawn Gary. It's absolutely gorgeous. I wanted a black tank top where it's like Gary right here right. that I could wear. First of all, their, their small shirts are not that small. Right. And also there's a limit to where you can move the graphics. So I'm sorry, but having a Gary directly under my <laughs> boobs is like the weirdest looking thing ever. It's so uncomfortable. Like I have it. It looks terrible. And I don't want people to be like, hey, where'd you get the Gary shirt? Like I don't wear it because of that. And like, and I got, oh, I got a a, a long sleeved cotton shirt. I was like, I could, I could do that instead. Like black long sleeves with a Gary on it. Placement is great. The shirt is huge. I literally gave it to Brett and it fits him. I have to say, I have to say that the, I think that the one thing that makers do, they get caught up in, in clothes hmm. and the merch game is, a, I'm just going to say this with peace and love. The merch game's a loser. Yeah. So for anybody who thinks that they're going to make their millions in merch, it's a loser. It's a giant loser. And what we do is we buy everything ahead. And the funny thing is that you talk about is I had, uh, when I had Alex Steele on two episodes ago. I broke his chops about the fact that you could only get his pants in 34 or 32. And he's like, well, there's a funny story about that. I did a stupid, I stupidly did an Instagram poll saying what would be the most popular pants. And for some reason, all these people wrote 32s or 34s, which are for men, bigger men. This is small size. So now he's like, I want all these 32s and 34s. I didn't get any 36s. I got no 38s. And now I'm stuck with two giant boxes of 32s and 34s. He's stuck. So I, this is going to be, I'm going to break into a, a, my own personal helping advertisement for Alex. You got to go to Alex Steel Co. And you got to get yourself a pair of 34s and 32s. And then when you buy them, you will be helping me when you write in the note, Fader wants 38s. That's all I want you to do. So go get yourself, go over to there, alexsteelco.com. Go get yourself a file guide. Get yourself a brooch. Go get yourself some of them shirts. And then go get a pair of pants and write in the bottom, Fader wants 38s. I'm not giving you a promo code. Fader wants 38s the notes. So there you go. Well, this is part of the support thing that I think is really important and gets overlooked. Because like, right. so I get all my work pants from a company called Dovetail that makes work pants specifically designed for women, which is great. Um, Now they're going to fit like a certain section of people and bless them because they have sizes from triple zero all the way up to, I I don't know. How how small are you for triple zero? So I'm zero or two, depending on the the fabric of the pants. So triple zero is like for like, a Baby. doll, <laughs> like, a, like Kermit the Frog. Like so the 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 bigger the biggest difference will just be like what what is the shape of your leg? That's right. the that's the huge difference because like between like with, with women you get a lot of different shaped legs, hips, yeah. and thighs, and like like my my sister has calves so big she can't wear boots. Because that's big. Her feet are small. That's big. And just giant. How do you measure your? Calves. You gotta measure your legs to get a pair of pants. Absolutely. She used to buy her jeans to fit her calves, and then she'd have them tailored at the waist because she got a tiny little waist. Like we're just all over the board in sizes. Um, 
so like, you know, here comes this small company um, that was started by three women who were like, I want pants that fit me, <laughs> please. Uh, and so they did it. And now obviously their clothes are not going to fit everyone. And I have people being like, oh yeah, you know, like I love what they're doing, but they don't like, they don't make a pant that fits me. I was like, well, here's what you can do. Tell everyone, you know, to try them out because the more successful they are, the more options they have to try out things like different shapes of pants. Like I love their, their shirts and their jackets, but I can't wear some of them because guess what? I ain't got boobs. And like, they're like, okay, well, most women do. So we leave space for it. Well, I just now have a lot of extra armpit space. Like, what am I going to do with that? So some of their things fit me, some of them don't. And like, I know that I'm not the only one in the world who is shaped like this, but they can't do everything, especially since they are a small company and like, you know, they, they're surviving COVID, which I'm so pleased about. But like, that's something that we can all do to actively slash passively support, you know, companies or people, which is like, tell someone else. Like right. I know people who could wear the pants and I know people who want to, but don't, they, they can't fit into them. So it's like, if, if we can support this person slash business into being more successful, they will be able to provide us with more options. And isn't that what we're trying to like, instead that's, of just being like, Oh, you don't have the right size. I guess I'll go do something else. Well, I mean, but that's, I mean, that's also, that's also, I mean, I ain't going to fit my piano legs into them dove pants. I, mean, I don't know. Brett has four pairs of dovetails and they look amazing on he's, him. She's a, he can do the skinny jeans. I, I'm too old to be doing skinny jeans. I can't do it. And I'm not going to do it. I'm going to take up a petition to have people I, sign that say you should wear a pair I'm of not, skinny leg lady jeans. I'm not doing it. Then you're going to look amazeballs. Listen, I... <laughs> Look, look, I, I'll tolerate it for now, but I ain't going to wear, I ain't going to wear, my piano legs aren't going to fit into them. Skinny I'm going to make you wear three pants if it's the last thing I do. I swear to God, I just have a funny story. So I had a, uh, a friend of mine was, I was in a postgraduate critique in the area and it was like some of the best uh, sculptors and painters uh, in the area. And we had postgraduate critiques. It was awesome. One friend of mine was extraordinarily talented. And he was a bronze caster, traveled the world, did these incredible bronze castings. He's amazing. He liked to wear capri pants. And it, I just would, you know, so we're in the middle of critique and he's, he's, I think I'm getting a savage beating from him in front of everybody. Like is my piece is up and he's just asking the tough questions and being a little bit like tough on me, which is fine. And I didn't know what to say in my job. And I had made the point in critiques is I'm either going to say something relevant, uh, poignant or funny. And if it isn't any of those, I'm not going to say a word. So he just beat the sh beat my brains in. And then they all looked at me for a response. And I said, I don't take criticism from a guy wearing capri pants. And that's all I said. Fucking destroyed the whole goddamn room. And then his wife heard about it. And then she started talking about him wearing his capri pants. And then he was furious with me for years. Capri pants. Everyone's giving me problems about capri pants. So I can't wear, I can't wear that. I can't fit and wear the dove capri pants, but I hear they're awesome. Y'all look good in them. We roll our cuffs. I like some ankle ventilation, which is funny because I also wear high tops. But I, I, I like I like a little bit of airflow around my ankle area because you know what? I retain water and I get swollen ankles. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, now I want to get into the poop house <laughs> okay. because 
speaking of speaking of a ventilation, yeah. I watched your latest video, and I also have a theory on why you haven't done other videos. I I have a theory. I'm gonna get nosy theory. later. I'm gonna get a little nosy later. Okay. But your walkthrough, your final. Well, number one, you well you did a walkthrough in September, and then in October, you did a. I want to do the walkthrough first. I was exhausted looking at all the work you have to do. And I just couldn't stop thinking about all you walked the whole place. The, you got the wash washout where you have to build the berms and then you get to rebuild the outdoor shower. And that seemed like a lot of work. And then you got the, you have a, there's an outhouse and then you there's, I mean, it's just it all PS you did a ton of work on the inside. It looks great. It's so empty. <laughs> I was exhausted at the end of your walk through the whole grounds because it just seems like it will be never ending. Yeah, yeah. I was I w- I went out there yesterday for the first time in a while, um, and I don't know if it's going to squelch your your uh, theory about why okay. I put out another video. But um, so I haven't been out there a while because. I the next steps like I have to call in professionals and I don't know who to call. You know that thing where you're like, "Hey, um do you know a good electrician?" They're like, "Yeah, use oh. this guy. Good plumber, use this guy." Well, I have asked everyone I know who lives in in the area and I was like, "Hey, do you know a good plumber electrician?" And the answer is always, "No, why do you? I've been looking for yeah. one." I'm like, "That's that's not that's not comforting at all. I feel really bad about right. that." Um I did I did uh get an email from a woman who who watched the video and sent me uh, the phone number of her handyman who I, I haven't called yet. So I'm, I'm hoping that's going to be something that where at the very least I can have someone walk me through what's going to happen and what needs to happen because it has been hooked up to, to power the ha- past. It has been hooked up to water in the past, but because of how long it's been abandoned and the state it was in, I just, I want someone to look at things and be like, right. okay, these wirings, like if you hook up your house, it's going to explode. Like, I mean, right. I don't know. I literally know nothing about these things. So I just Refer. want someone with experience to be like, yeah, just call and have it hooked up. You'll be fine. So that, that's a big thing. And um, also procrastination because I'm so good at that. And um, up until now, it's been put garbage in bags. Right. And tear down this wall. I'm like, oh, I am, I am so good at that. It was a lot of work, but that was the easy part. Now I have to figure out where all, like, how everything will fit within this space. What I want to leave open. What I want to close off. And like, this is all the stuff where I'm super scared of it. And so I'm just dragging my heels. And yeah, so I was out there yesterday, just kind of staring at the property and being like, what is the next thing that has to happen before anything else? And so I have all these things running through my mind where it's like, well, how far do I go into building a workshop so that I have like a place to do it? Well, I don't need to do that yet. Well, should I be like figuring out right now where the concrete pad for my, for my car to be parked on is going to go? Like, do I need to figure that out before I do this other step? And like, do I need to do the outside of the house before I start like insulating and, and, and redoing the inside of the house? Like, what do I need to do? And so it's just, it is exhausting. I sat there for an hour, just like staring at, at, at my, my empire of dirt. And, uh, like I felt good about it. Like it it wasn't like, Oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed because I feel overwhelmed all the time. Everything I do every day is new. 
And um, like I, I am by nature a very shy person who has learned to just push through that because I worked in the service industry for so many years. Right. So my nature is like I would like to to like sit in a hole and have no one look at me ever, and I'll just sit there and count my dirt clods, and I'll be perfectly happy. <laughs> but it's not just dirt; you have stuff. There is stuff There's everywhere. So stuff. There's so much stuff. There's so and, much stuff. And like in in the desert, because the the climate is so harsh and the sun is just so unforgiving like there are just plastic things that are strewn about like tupperware and buckets and whatnots and you go to pick them up and as soon as you make contact with it it just disintegrates oh. under your fingers and so i'm like sifting plastic shards out of the sand <laughs> it's so crazy like it's super weird i was exhausted for you thank you i watched it and it looked hot and you were talking about how hot it is and it just it all seemed it all seemed very, very intense, and I was, and I, I, I didn't feel sorry for you. I know I never feel sorry for you. Good. I felt like this is a daunting project, and I'll tell you what my theory is. Tell my me. theory is is somebody's telling you to hold off on the any any more to go because I think there's a TV show or something involved. That's what I think. That's what I think. Don't say anything. If I'm wrong, just let me let me go. I mean, give let me have it. I okay. think I think even I think that you. I don't think it's the procrastination. I think there's something in the works, and they're really like, okay, just don't work so hard anymore because now we got to get into something else. All right. Good. All right. Good. All right. I'll take that. So the next video that it got me sad, and I'll tell you why it got me sad. I even wrote you a message last night. You did 30 minutes on on dealing with people's unsolicited advice, their suggestions and their awful comments. And I, I, you're hilarious. PS you, there was one particular scene where somebody said, somebody said, you should be wearing a hard hat. And then you said, I've been wearing hard hats before. And there was this picture of you with your mouth open and with this like cheese head on top. You're, you're hilarious. But I feel like the self-deprecating, humor which i love i'm i love it I, it's a great defense mechanism i use it as often as i can i hate the fact that you have to like even address these people right so i mean the the truth is i don't have to i literally don't have to do anything like i could just ignore them right. and that's right. fine you know what i mean i didn't say have to but you feel compelled to yeah no but i mean i think that's important because um like there's a lot of discussion that goes on between me and Brett because he is someone who reads every comment and responds to like 99% of them, which is great. You know, he has good engagement, really high engagement, in fact. Um, but then he comes across a stinky comment or one that we're not sure if it's meant to be stinky or not. And he's like, well, how do I respond? I was like, remember that you don't have to. Like you put this thing out there for people to watch. You don't have to engage with every single person who comments. And like, I have always prided myself on reading all the comments and responding to the vast majority. But then the poop house video blew up and I was like, there's like thousands and thousands of comments. I'm like, I can't, I, I can't do this. It's too much. Um, but I do try to look through to see standout questions, whether it's right. a question that I think is like actually very useful to bring up, or if it's something that a lot of people ask, because, you know, maybe my, However, I portrayed it didn't make it clear or they're just wondering what happens next. I was I was a little bit surprised, we'll say, at when I put out the walkthrough. Like I put out the walkthrough because people were like, hey, what's going on with the rest of the house? And I realized there 
like the only walkthrough there was was on my brother's channel and like not everyone has seen that i mean right. a lot of people have seen it because it's on his channel but i was like okay so i'll do this whole walkthrough and just talk a little bit about what i think i want to do even though i haven't made any concrete decisions yet what i did not do was ask people what they think I should do with my house where I'm going to live. This is not even just a house. I'm not flipping it. Like right. this is a house that is for me to live in. And they're like, okay, well, here's what you got to do. Like you got to like change the bedroom to where the bathroom is and the bathroom to where the kitchen is and then add on three bedrooms and do that. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like I am, I'm a small person who is going to live alone in this house. Like I don't need three bedrooms and two bathrooms. Like also, I didn't ask. And then, and then it, it, for me, it becomes a hard thing of like, I don't want to be stinky to people who are just like, they got excited. And I love that. Everyone got super excited and started thinking what they would do. And most people are trying to be helpful. But a lot of times, like being helpful and telling someone what they should do with their own personal life, like those are two very different things. So I I recorded... A, like I, I filmed and re um, recorded a bunch of stuff for for the Q and A, where I talked about like, okay, so people said I should do this and that, but what I want to do is this and that, and I just cut it all out because first of all, it would have been a video that was an hour and a half long, and second of all, I don't owe anyone an explanation about why I'm not using their personal ideas for what my private living space should be. Like, that's not really a thing, and like other than people really getting upset over the fact that I wanted a all-in-one washer-dryer unit as opposed to a conventional washer-dryer. Like, people had a lot of opinions about that. Well, I think that, you know, we've talked about it in the past on Knife Talk. I used to come up with this, you know, I used to hate it when people would say, you know what you should do. And I started to kind of listen to what people are saying and, and kind of like not just hear exactly what they're saying, but kind of like look at look at the whole the point. When people say, you know what you should do, it's usually that what they're wanting to do is they're wanting to be involved with you, mm -hmm. but they also want to be the savior. So what they're hoping is, is you're going to be like, you know what? Uh, a Mac 2574 had this idea that's changed the way I thought about this. What a great idea. I'm so glad he reached out to me. And if it wasn't for Mac 2574, I would never have thought to do this. So I think that the people's intentions a lot of times is they're looking to grab a piece of your glory. They want to catch. They want to have a little ride on your, you know, your shooting star. They, they need just a taste. And they're hoping why. Because I actually had a guy once. I was on an Instagram live where you know, I was bullshitting or something like that. And months later, this guy says, hey, you remember when you said that? That was my idea. I gave you that on the Instagram live. I'm like, who? What? He's like, yeah, when you came up with that design decision, I was the one to suggest you should do it. I think that these people are trying a lot deep down. They want you to be like, hey, dude, who said that shitty thing to me? You saved my day. Thanks to you. It saved me $50,000 and I'm happier now. Yeah. No, I, I, I do think that is um, that is a big part of it because. One thing that's good to remember is that YouTube is its own new form of what we used to think of as television at large. So right. TVs or TV and movies like have this 
thing where there's the the people that you watch and there's zero connection between you. Like absolutely zero. Right. You read the the magazines and you you know, you like watch the interviews and you learn about them, but there is absolutely zero connection. What we do now is we put ourselves out there with the opportunity to connect one-on-one with someone who's like, hey, I think you're super cool. I'm like, oh, thanks. Hi. And then it's like, oh my God, I thought I didn't know you were going to respond to me. It's like, and I don't, I don't respond to everyone because first of all, if all you do is like send reactions to my stories, like I appreciate it, but that doesn't give me anything to go on. Like I, I, if you, if like, I'll have people that send me a message and all it says is hi. <laughs> and I won't respond because I, that puts the burden on me to be like, hello, stranger. Like, what, why do yeah. I have to be the one to start a conversation? Like, call you, me. You like said hi to me. me. Like, you need a follow up. Like, why? Yeah. Yeah. I, like, it's so weird to me if pe- someone just looks at you and goes, hi. And your reaction is, Hello. I've got listen, now I've gotten what? people <laughs> sneaking into my DM saying, I need to talk to you. Call me. It's like, dude, what do you I gotta call I gotta call you? What are you talking about? Oh yeah, I get that where it's like, hey, we want you to do this. DM me. And I was like, you DM me. Yeah. You're the business so, person. Otherwise, you end up being like my mom who calls me, <laughs> doesn't leave a message, and then sends me a text message that says, Call me. And I'm like, oh my God, is dad dead? She's like, No, you got a letter in the mail. And it's like Okay, you can't do that. You can't call and not leave a message and then send a text message that says call me. That's a manipulation move my mom likes to do. She'll <laughs> she'll uh she'll do whatever it takes to kind of get a hold of me. Yeah, I told um, her she needed to cut that out. <laughs> so when you were talking before about engagement on hmm. YouTube, do you get like some sort of points if you respond to people? Is there some sort of like is there like I said points? I wish. Um, so engagement is, um, there's like, there's, uh, a few different things that like companies or other people look at. And that is like subscribers, although that's not as big as it used to be. Um, like that's not as important as it used to be. Um, so there's the number of your subscribers, watch time in minutes and, um, engagement. And so engagement is just like if someone comments and then you respond, like it means, hey, people are watching this video and literally engaging with either the person who made the video or other people on in the comments. And so YouTube, um, you know, the grand overseer is like this video is getting attention. Let's promote it so that even more people see it. So engagement so if, is is good. So if you even if, respond, even if it's like really super stinky, it's but good. if you. If you respond back, mm-hmm. does that make does that give more engagement to YouTube? Well, what it does is like if someone's like, "Hey, you're stupid and your face is ugly," and I respond, "Thanks, I love that you watched my video. Um, I'm so glad that you enjoyed it." Now they have to come back and be like, "No, no, I said I hated it and you're dumb." And then I respond like, "Oh, I'm so glad that you like me and everything I do and that you told all your friends about me." And then they come back and they're like, "No, I didn't say that at all." Well, I've now got them to comment multiple times in the video that they hate. So, I had no idea. Oh, yeah. So the, the, that's the best thing where it's like even a bad comment, like it's totally fine, especially if you can get them to respond. Because in the end, anyone who is a troll on social media is a psychopath um, because they are a person who uh, nine times out of ten doesn't have uh, a photo of themselves. 
they don't use their real name and they have no um, personal content. They'll sometimes repost other things, but it's nothing that they made. So the idea that a, a an internet troll is a psychopath is is being um, investigated by psychologists because it's a person oh. who literally like like well, I say literally, but in in the terms of internet, they walk into a space, they throw a grenade, and then they fuck off. Because nobody knows who they are. So they just come in, they say something like designed to be hurtful and they, and then they just leave. So there, so there's, there must be multiple studies on these types of people. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's something that's getting more attention just because it's, it's so um, prevalent in, in our culture right now, where it's like the internet troll and, and the people who are always yelling to cancel everything, um, where it's just, okay, I can, I can be really loud. And like, we use the term soapbox, but when was the last time you ever saw someone actually standing on a soapbox? No, the internet is a soapbox now. And so you can just stand there and shout things out. And guess what? You can then delete yourself and then show up somewhere else under a different fake name. And so this is what people do. I'm fascinated by the fact that if you get into a fight with someone, (laughs) it doesn't really matter what it's about your numbers are going to go up in the eyes of YouTube because you've gotten more engagement. So yeah. it is advantageous to get people to, to argue or to say shitty things. And then you, and then you encourage them to say more shitty things because your engagement's up. So like dies in every film. Honor, <laughs> I was honor, just thinking about him. Uh, like he has uh, to be the one that you're thinking of. Honor, honor Kaglar. I, I am got, I've talked, I've messaged with him before. I've known him for a while and he's terrific. I love everything he does, I, except for going on other people's podcasts, because I have to be very like, I just, I can't have, he got, he goes on Toby all the time, or he goes to see, uh, you know, the boys down at, uh, uh, you know, Chris and, and Roy. And I, and I just tell, I said, I said, I don't want all these guys, I don't want us all to be kind of recycling the same guy. So I got to stay away from all those guys. But I said to the owner, I said, you stay off those goddamn podcasts and then we'll, we'll have some fun. But you got to, I mean, there isn't, there isn't a guy who's having more fun with problem people than him. I don't think there is anybody. Owner is, um, man, he is just a, a, such a special person. Um, and I think that like, I think it would be really easy to just be like, you know what? This guy is such a dick. He's so angry and he's so sensitive. Um, but if you've ever seen anything that he does, like he's so unpretentious. And like what he does is he makes knives. He does face punching when health regulations allow. Right. He loves his lady and he adores his boys. Yeah. Like, this is a solid dude and like I've been I've been friendly with him for a while now. I think we bonded over the fact that when Rico was just the tiniest little nugget, he used to watch Gary videos and call him Doggy and it was super cute. And Honor sent me um a video of Rico just like pointing at Gary just being a chubby ass little baby with those gorgeous sad eyes. He was being like Doggy. It was so cute. And then and so we got chatty. I'm like, who's this guy? And then like I'm looking through all his stories, being like, this guy's so angry. But the thing is he's not like um when when a person when a stranger comments on whatever you're doing, like they have 
almost no impulse to try and get their point across in the manner that they made it. They just throw something out there. So even if they think they're being like, oh, you're being unsafe and I don't want you to hurt yourself. The way they say it's like, you're an idiot for doing this. Why don't you do this? Or they do the passive aggressive thing, which is they don't talk directly to you on your own, whatever, you know, Instagram or or YouTube. Be like, this guy, this guy is doing this thing. I'm like, who are you talking to? Everybody else. It's like walking into someone's house, standing in front of them and being like, this guy's house is so weird. I'm like, you're, you're in my house. Like, I'm right here. I can hear you, you know? And I I will say that I think owner takes it farther than I would because I like to make people feel stupid or look stupid without directing the comments at them and just like because that that's my puzzle that I have to figure out where I'm like okay how do I answer where I sound elegant but just really hammer home to anyone who's paying attention that you are a drooling fool you're and looking that's, to that's be elegant that I like to do because I'm <laughs> a really terrible person at heart. Well, he's got like, he's got like an ever, he's got evergreen content. And then not only does he have evergreen content where he just, it's hysterical when he, when he puts them in his stories. But now that I realize that he's getting more engagement because he's getting like, you know, he's getting four or five messages from these guys. Yeah. And that's like, that's money. I mean, that's money. Yeah. And like, like no matter what he responds with, like, it like the onus is on the person who first says something like yeah. if you're going to throw the first punch even if it's an open hand slap if someone comes back at you with a sledgehammer you did ask for it like i mean you you can't be the instigator and then be upset if someone hits back and some of these people are just terrible like they get their feelings hurt because they're like, oh, you're so sensitive. Like, you're such a <laughs> genius. <laughs> How do you not like my criticism? How did you usually for them, for him, it's like they'll say something and then he'll criticize them. And he's like, how come you how come? Why are you being so sensitive to the criticism that I'm giving you? Usually people appreciate criticism. He's just like, I didn't fucking ask your bullshit. Exactly. And like and then they get all butt hurt and then they just hit back with things that are completely inappropriate, like attacking his family because they don't know what else to do because they they're not smart enough to think of something clever so they just like get really petty and it's so mean and like i like honor and i've had great conversations with him and like i would love to stand in front of him and just insult each other like face to face because i've never had a chance to do that and i think it would be super fun He's a good dude. I do enjoy. I do enjoy watching him and his family interact. It's a very loving family. Um, it, this reminds me uh, when 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 you were on uh, in a couple of, number of months ago, we were talking about we were doing the. I, it didn't really work out because I started to. I, we we were doing we we're talking doing the self deprecation tank where we were reading each other's, you know, nasty comments. And I I guess just as this is just a follow up is I read this one guy's comment that about the in the video I did with uh, Epicurious where he was, he was saying that I didn't know about a particular type of steel. I think it was 5,200 or something like that. And he mm-hmm. was just not, you know, and I, when I was talking to you, I said, I don't care what these guys say with my hands. I don't care what they say about this, that other thing, but don't call me a liar. And then I fucking went crazy. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, the listeners of this podcast went on to that feed and fucking yeah. blistered this guy. And to the point where the guy had to, a, a, he had to erase the comment that he wrote 
And it's just instead of just saying he doesn't know about this, this steals like this, blah, 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 blah. He said, this guy's so stupid. And he just started blistering me in regards. He was like attacked. And then he erased it and then went after me for something else. But I thought I had to tell you that because I, I just, I don't know. I just, I, when I was talking to Alex Steele, I asked him how he feels because he's under, he gets pressure. He gets pressure and criticism to a huge extent. And people in the industry, people not in the industry, people like him, people don't like him. He gets a substantial amount of criticism on YouTube. Like I think most YouTubers do. And I asked him how it makes him feel. And he says it makes him feel bad. Hmm. Like he was very, very like uh, unguarded when he said it makes me feel bad. And I just and I said to him, I don't know how you do it. And he said to me, well, we have a business and his he's created something that is like he wasn't sad about it, but he's just like, I can't not go to work because I'm hurt because the guy said he didn't like me. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got people to pay. He's got a business to run. He's got a vision to go. And I don't know how you guys all handle this stinky comments. It just I, I'm too fickle. I'm too fragile, too fragile. I am. I, I I'm am a sensitive, fragile person. fragile person. But the difference is I I know who I am and like. Nobody can make me feel as bad as I make myself feel. So suck it, all you trolls, because you got nothing on me. And like that's that's 100% true. Um, Like when I was growing up, I used to ask my mom, why does Ben tease me so much? But he never teases Emily because I would be in tears every day because Ben was ruthless. And my mom goes, Emily doesn't react you do oh yeah so so much of it is about like like now i say it's like oh he was just getting me ready to be on youtube like a hundred million years later um but so much of our interactions stem from our reaction to something that someone else does like and that can make or break a situation like in in very simple terms i get mansplained to a lot and although mansplaining is a problematic term because of not only what it means but also it's saying that this is what men do when guess what if you look young everyone over a certain age explains to you yeah so it's you know it's problematic but i will use it because we we know what it means Um, my reaction to whatever the explanation is will make or break the situation. And I could come at it as so many do, with just like, how dare you? I'm this and I'm that and you're bleh, bleh. It's not helpful. And all it does is solidify the idea that it's like, here's a, a chick. She doesn't know what she's doing. I'm going to explain to her. Whether you think you're being noble or not doesn't matter. I'm going to explain to her how it is because she doesn't know. And then my reaction will either make you think, wow, I was right. Women are bitches. Or, oh, I was wrong. Maybe I shouldn't just walk around telling people what to do. So our reactions to things are are really more, they're the bigger problem than what was initially said. So I have talked yes. to like, like my, um, I think I told you this, my, my, my best, one of my best compliments was by, uh, this homeless guy outside a skate park who was like, 
you're uh, kind of Asian, right? I'm like, I'm half Japanese. He goes, well, that's not your fault. <laughs> like, I was say. probably like 20, 19 or 20 at the time. And I thought about it for a second. And I was like, thank you. Like, regardless of what the words actually mean, like, I know what he meant by it. Right. This guy has a problem with Asian people. I don't need to unpack that because I'm literally never going to see him again. What he's doing is saying something like, I like you. So if I come at him with like, how dare you, you racist piece of shit, he's going to walk away being like, yep, Asian people suck. So I'm like, okay, I don't need to try and fix you, but we, you and I are going to have a positive interaction. And we chatted for like a couple minutes after that. Um, there was no need for me to address this thing that he said because in the end, like, I know who I am. I don't feel bad about being Asian or white. Like, you know, all people are equally terrible. What I felt good about was this guy has a preconceived notion. I don't know what it's based on and it doesn't matter. But his interaction with me was positive, And he's going to carry that into the next interaction where maybe he meets a fully Asian person or maybe three quarters. Who knows? But and you he, made it positive. He exactly. didn't make it positive. No. But like I, I'm only in charge of the things that I have control over. Right. So I can make this a positive interaction or negative one. If I make it a positive interaction, the next time he interacts with someone, he's going to remember me. Because hmm. I'm the... The, the 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 last thing that happened he's gonna remember me and i am i can guarantee you the next interaction he's gonna have is going to be more positive from his side i don't know if it's gonna i, I don't know if you should take that guarantee no no, no no it's absolutely, like a, a absolutely true because we <laughs> don't forget those things like hmm. like the you know the the more that we experience the the positive things like when you're when you're in your cars and you're trying to exit a parking lot and one person is is like trying to turn and no one's letting them in like you can sit there for an hour but if this person or sorry this person <laughs> with my hands on on, yeah, radio, on a right? podcast when <laughs> this person moves in and lets the next person go behind them it creates the zipper effect which we all know is effective for leaving a parking lot it really like if the first person does it, everyone else will automatically try to do it because people are sheep. And that's is that like do. is we, that like how you think, leave an airplane? Was that is that like how you leave an airplane? Uh, yeah. So it it start it goes row by row in its aisle, middle, window, and then it's right. the next side. I will trip anyone who tries to get in there before me because I can make it look like an accident. It's not you your definitely- turn. You wait your turn. You're definitely an, uh, unassuming. I don't think that anyone would think that you are a tripper. I could get I away think... with so much. It's terrifying. I bet you can. I bet you can. I bet you can. So what's next for you? You know, we had all these other things. The funny thing is, is I had, when I was thinking about having uh, Jess on, I was like, what should we talk about? And we could go, we could just finish off with this just because it's just too funny. It's just too funny. Um, so last week. I was sending you messages saying, oh, what do you want to talk about this time? Because now that we have, I don't have to do the origin anymore. Like mm-hmm. now I'm getting into having fun and you uh, you, uh, you have an open invite. Anytime you want to come on, call me up, say I want a podcast, I will, I will move mountains to allow you any any time you want to come on nobody can see how big i'm smiling right now there's a few people there's a there's a few people who have open invites they want to call they want to do a podcast you you're one of those people 
So, so I was, I was, I was sending a message saying, what do you want to talk about on the, on the podcast? And you, and you said, I don't know. What do you want to talk about? And all of a sudden I get this from my wife. My wife is the fucking greatest. She's, she's hysterical. So she starts, she's in the kitchen and she, I'm, I'm, you know, typing away and she says, what's going on with Alec Baldwin's wife? And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? It's Alec Baldwin's wife. What's going on with her? Go to Google. I'm hearing about Alec Baldwin's wife. Go find out what's going on. So Alec Baldwin is a very complicated person. And I appreciate as a New Yorker, he's from um, he's from Amityville, Long Island, which is not far from where Chris Zepp is near Seaford. Hmm. He is. Uh, very, very, he's a great New York figure because incredible actor. Then he got in this incredible weird relationship with Kim Bassinger when they were both young. It would look like it was this incredible power couple and then it was a terrible breakup. And then, it, you know, he was still doing great movies and stuff. Next thing you know, there was this awful, awful, if you can, I'm not going to play it and I'm not going to read it, but if you ever want to hear one of the greatest acting acting of all time, it's when Alec Baldwin leaves a message for his 12 year old daughter. It's terrible. Calls it's, her pig. Uh, it's yeah. horrible. It's the great, I mean, but at the same time, it's just like, I couldn't stop listening to it when it came out. It must have, it came out probably 2010, 2009, 2010. I was at the center for mental arts and I was actually driving back and I was listening to Opie and Anthony replay it and i was just like this is unbelievable he just lays and it was terrible next thing you know he's deemed difficult and next thing you know he's like beating a paparazzi he's got a temper people don't like to work with him blah, blah, blah. he's a new york guy then he gets into 30 rock he reinvents his whole career he's doing great he's playing basically this you know this character and he's just all of a sudden he's very beloved beloved then he does this, you know, he's, it's all up and down. And then he calls, you know, some, he calls some, he just says some slur to a paparazzi guy. And then he does the Trump thing on SNL and PS. It's nothing to write home about. They only, it's only good because it's him, but it is a horrible, I mean, it's, it's, it's not funny and it's not good. And I'm not like, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not insulted by it, but it's like, in terms of funny, it wasn't, I mean, there's nothing to write home, but he's making his mouth look like a big, asshole and then he's making you know ooh, ooh noises it's just nothing you know so this story is, is he's been the, he, he married this woman hilaria baldwin uh, no, and i know and we're gonna talk i'm just gonna I'm, I'm just trying to give the 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 overall situation i first heard about her he was on howard stern and he was talking about his wife hilaria i didn't know her name was hilaria I, he was calling her Ilaria, and my Yo, she, you know, she's Spanish and we have these beautiful five children and we're in the Hamptons and she's got this Spanish blood and hot blooded. And he, and then he goes on, he goes on, uh, he goes on Jimmy Fallon. He's talking about my, my wife from Spain and she's Spanish. You know, he's making a whole big production about she's Spanish. And then why don't you tell our get our listeners what fucking happened? So... This was especially hilarious to me because you had just been like, hey, what do you want to talk about? And I'm like, I don't know, whatever. And you sent me this video of someone. I'm like, who who the hell is this? And uh, what happened was it came out that Ilaria Baldwin is Hillary and she was born in Boston. 
and with no accent. She has been lying about being Spanish for who knows how many years at this point. So one of the things that I think is extremely interesting about this is that um, she is actually extremely good at not making a concrete statements. Like even when like she is all about implying and getting you to infer. So even when she was on her own podcast where she was talking about like Spain and like, oh, yeah, my parents live in Mallorca. And I was like, yeah. okay, great, you're an idiot. But um, she was like, oh, I moved here when I was 19 to go to NYU. So she's really good at not saying, I moved from Spain. She's letting you guess, oh, she must have been moved from Spain because that's where her parents live. Guess what? Her parents moved to Spain one year before she married Alec Baldwin. Mm. Like, I, I have to say, I am, I, I am not... I love Alec Baldwin. And I'm telling you why. He is to me as a New Yorker, there are these there are these characters that are a, a huge part of the the fabric of what makes New York New York. And in my opinion, I love him for that. And he's defended her. She there's these videos. I think it was Amy Schumer said some made some joke about, yeah, my everybody likes to go to Spain once in a while and then they they think that they're they're from there. There's this video of Ilaria. I like to say it like, like she wants it to be said. Ilaria, where she's on a on the Today Show and she's doing a cooking segment, and then she's saying, "Oh, you put your tomatoes in here," and then she's pointing the cucumbers and she says, uh, "How do you say this in English?" No, here's what You're she said. Fucking says, how do you call this? And it's like that is something that if you are not a native English speaker, that's what you say because those are the <laughs> words you use. She is a native English speaker, so it was so like. She she does it all on purpose. Yeah. But in the end, she's like, I never said that I lived in or that I was born in Spain or that I was Spanish. And she's like, Yeah, I'm a white girl, but you have to remember that like Europe is made out of all kinds of white people. And yeah. it's like, what does that have to do with being born in Boston? It's like, super bizarre. I think this was such a wonderful thing to come along when it did, because really nobody got hurt. It's just it's like it's, it's embarrassing. It's a them. wonderful case of someone who was not interesting. She was a rich white girl who did dance and uh, is now like a skinny mom of five who is married to a famous person. There's nothing that is interesting about her. She's just a person. So she tried to make herself seem more exotic. And like, although I think that you're kind of a terrible person just to pretend that, especially when you're like trying to take something that belongs to someone else and like use it to make yourself more interesting. Like, why don't you just be more interesting. Well, if her like husband, did, but if her husband didn't like go on Jimmy Fallon and Howard Stern to, you know, basically paint her as, I mean, making a point that she's Spanish. Like I, 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 I when he was on Howard Stern, he's talking about his wife's Spanish. I'm like, okay, he's married to a Spanish woman. You know, yeah. it was, but, I, but back to what you're saying about why it's such a great thing. Ultimately back, well, I'm going to say it one more time. It's I love Alec Baldwin. It's I love Alec Baldwin. I, I, I think, it, fucking, I think it's, it's, but it's, they make it even worse by trying to retcon. <laughs> you know, she was like, when I met Alec, I walked by him at a vegan restaurant and he said like, hello. And I said, I'm from Boston. It was the first thing I ever said to him. <laughs> that, is, well, that is a complete bullshit. Like, I get it. You're trying to like, to cover up. But also the fact that he's like, 
it's like his really awkward video where i mean the the guy oh. he's a great actor but he cannot be himself it's so uncomfortable he's like my wife people are saying a lot of things about her and you know what twitter says a lot of things check your sources i'm like you're the source you said my wife is <laughs> like like I get it. It's embarrassing. And what do you do? But like, don't make it worse. Just be like, eh, you know what? I'm an idiot. I just, I felt like I wasn't that interesting. I tried to make myself more interesting. And like one of, one of her neighbors, I mean, like who knows what you can believe, but I do believe this because one of her neighbors was like, yeah, they're just like, they just, they're just white people. They're not like, she's not from Spain, but the way that she pretends that she does all of her like yoga and lifestyle and having five kids, like she portrays it as having no outside help. And they're like, she has a string of nannies. And I, right. I like, I agree with that. I don't care if you pretend you're from somewhere. Like I, it means that I don't really care for you as a person, but like she does portray herself as if she does it all alone. Like, Oh yeah. When everyone else goes to sleep, then I have my alone time and I'm in my like thong in the bathroom doing my lunges or whatever. I'm like, good for you. You enjoy your body. You look great. It's like she and I are the same age and she's had five kids and she's like, she's got it going on, but she throws it in a light. Like, I do all this myself. I am super mom. I have five kids under the age of two and I like weigh three pounds. Like it's just everything about her is just slightly off where she just needs to seem like she's more interesting and a little bit better than she is. And it's like, you know what? Being the wife of someone who has a celebrity like Alec Baldwin, like that is a full-time job in and of itself. Having five kids, like even if you do have a lot of help, is a lot of work. A lot of work. Maintaining your body to look like that, that's a lot of work. But so why do you have to pretend that you're from Spain and you do everything on your own? Like that's, come on. Like we all need help. I need help all the time. Why do you think I never get anything done? Because I don't want to ask for help because I like to, you know, hit my face against the wall on my own. But just don't, don't pretend like, she's like, people write things about me and I have no control over that. I'm like, yeah, but you're not, you're not upset when like Latina magazine or whatever it was, like named you one of the best dressed Latinas. You were Is that like, true? sweet. Yeah. They removed her. I mean, everyone's removing her. Oh, like, but it's like That's you funny. you can't pretend like it's a lie by omission, right? Like if you know people are saying something and you don't correct it, it's because that's who you want to be. But well, here's here's why I love this story. The 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 ultimate reason why I love this story is because the New York Post, which is the biggest New York rag, it's a it's the best New York rag, Rupert Murdoch, uh owner of Fox news. It's very politically slanted, but it's like a, it is, even though that's the case, it is a New York staple magazine, New York, uh, the New York post, the daily news side by side, New York standard, blah, blah, blah. They put, instead of having Donald Trump on or Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer or any of these guys, they had a, they had a front cover of her with her head was superimposed onto a bullfighter's body <laughs> And it was all about she, the cover of the magazine. Now we don't, let's not talk about politics. 
Let's talk about crazy Alec Baldwin because they love going after him. They used to call him, their nickname for Alec Baldwin was the Bloviator. Oh, for years, when I was gr- younger and he became, you know, he would do he would do these talks at the 92nd street. Why? And he was, he was part of New York. He had these shows on public on, on NPR and he would talk to the opera. And he, when he spoke, and this is a guy from Amityville, Long Island. When he would spoke, he would chew the words. And he created this concept of him being not this, you know, goofball from, you know, Long Island. Well, have you ever I, noticed that when, when he like looks at the camera, he looks like he's hoping someone is writing. His blue eyes just pierce the camera lens. Well, he's chewing. Like he's trying to do. He's chewing up the word. I mean, he's really, I was working on my Alec Baldwin impression of it. And I, I just, you know, you must look at, look at where it comes from. Look at the source. Watch the source. People say things. They say things. My brothers say things. And most of them aren't true. They're hurtful hurtful and it was just everything was great about it but the prop the you know ultimately once again love alec baldwin love the whole story i'm glad it took some of the heat off of our political climate and also covid i don't want to talk about covid anymore i don't talk about political i'd love to talk about alaria baldwin i'm thankful to her because this is now a very uh a uh self-indulgent um story that is 100 uh what is it called when you have a song that you don't want to tell people you like it's called a uh what would you say there's a word for that no there's a song it's 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 called like a uh secret pleasure there's a there's a seat there's a there's certain songs that you're, you're embarrassed Your guilty, to tell pleasure. guilty pleasure yeah, this yeah. is the guilty pleasure story and i want to thank the baldwins for this because i needed it well, I needed it, and I think most people needed it. If, too. if you notice, like people aren't really coming after her, like you terrible, evil person. They're just like, "You're so stupid! Come <laughs> on!" You know, like they're making fun of her, but like, like she's not really getting anyone being angry, right? Because like what, like the most that people could get angry is to have like Spain be like you're culturally appropriating, but she's not. She's just she did a dumb thing, and people are just like, ah. It's a little bit. We'll laugh at this person because they did a dumb thing. Like she could have fallen on her face and they would have laughed just as hard. Like she'll be fine. Everyone's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Do fine. No one's going to prison. No one's going to jail. She'll be fine. We're all going to be fine. Money. Nobody got fired. Like it's just, it's. Everybody's going to be fine. This is the, this is the highs and lows of Alec Baldwin, which I love every single one. I love the highs and I love the lows. So I'm appreciative of him, but I'm more appreciative of you. I Jessup on Instagram, Jesse Weta. I hope I pronounce it correctly. Ooh, that was good. All right, there you go. There you go. Really go follow what she's doing because I got some. I have some thoughts that big things are a, 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 a foot, and do some good engagement. Go go onto her YouTube and give some good engagement. Don't give the bad engagement. Give the good engagement. It helps her, and um, follow her brother too, um, Ben Weta. <laughs> But I mean, I don't know what his Insta- he has his Instagram, but I don't know what his YouTube is. His modern maker, homemade modern. Go follow him. Watch those videos. It'll be easy to find. He's got over a million subscribers. Go find him and go go watch the the uh, when you see the uh, Andrew Schultz videos. You guys did it. Y'all did it, and I appreciate it. And I appreciate you guys, 
Uh, welcome. Happy New Year 2021. We're getting some good. Sh- I tell you what, Nick Angers opened the doors, opened the floodgates for some major guests coming up. So we got some good ones coming up, and I'm excited about that. Go to the Full Blast podcast on Instagram. Give us a follow. Interact with the show. Sponsors, I'm looking for you, baby. I'm ready for some sponsors. We've got to pay some bills. I'm ready. I'll sell some stuff. Listen, I'll sell some. Go to Alex Steel Co. Get yourself a pair of 34s, 32s. Tell him Jeff needs 38s. And um, next week's, we're going to be talking to, do you know Keith Johnson, KJ Sawdust? I don't think he's I a, do. He's a, he's a great guy. Great friend of mine, New Jersey. He's got He's a big YouTuber. He does shop sounds. He makes shot. It's like ASMR. He also, I mean, sideline. He does. He doesn't do it professionally, but he has his kind of ASMR, ASMR, Mm -hmm. ASMR stuff on top of you know inadvertent ASMR. But he's a good friend of mine. Uh, KJ Sawdust will be on next week. We'll talk to him. We're definitely going to have Will Stelter on in the month. Uh, I got some February is going to be hot, 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 hot. Pat Quinn's coming on from the Center for Metal Arts. He wants in after Nick Angers. And we got uh, we got a pile of other guys. We want to have some knife guys, some blacksmith guys, some sculptor guys. And then you, I, Jessup, Jesse Uweta, you're always welcome on. You call me up. You say, I want a podcast. I'll make arrangements. Like, hey, I got things to say. And nobody in my house is listening to me. So you call me up. <laughs> You say anytime I'll we'll record a podcast. It might not. I mean, it might go out a little later, but I'm anytime you want to, you want a podcast, we'll podcast. So you, we, you could be like Nico Tavernisi or you want to spiral anytime you want to go. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's always Great. a pleasure. Pleasure's mine. All right, guys, we'll see you next week with KJ Sawdust. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network.